Hey, if you're listening to this on a podcast, this is special to you. Hey, this is Tom Gresham. We really appreciate you listening. Spread the word about the podcast for Gun Talk. But I need to ask you a favor. If you would, go to my website, guntalk.com. That's guntalk.com. And up at the top, there's a little box that says sign up. If you would... Click on that and sign up for my newsletter. We are going to start working to stamp out these gun-free zones, these killing zones that I call them. They're, they're basically killing fields. If you'll sign up for the free Gun Talk newsletter, you'll start getting the information. Guarantee you, you're going to enjoy it. We do a lot of fun stuff here. But more importantly, we're going to do some good things. So go to GunTalk.com, sign up for the newsletter. I really appreciate it. And stand by. Here comes your Gun Talk podcast. When you have questions about guns, the shooting sports, or your rights, where do you turn? Do what the pros do. When they have questions, they go to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. Tom hosts several programs on the Outdoor Channel, is a noted book author and magazine editor, and he hosts the first and only national talk radio show pertaining to these issues. You can participate by calling 1-800-TALK-GUNS and check out GunTalk.com. Now, prepare yourself for a no-nonsense, straightforward approach to firearms and related topics. Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. So glad that you so glad you could be with us. Hey, welcome to Gun Talk. Tom Gresham here. Yes, indeed, we are with you. It is uh, we're live. We are remote. Boy, are we ever remote? We're out in the high desert. Uh, we're actually broadcasting from Gunsight, the uh, Firearms Training Academy in northern Arizona. Well, a little bit. We always say Prescott, but it's a little bit north of that. And uh, I've been out shooting a little video this morning. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. And basically having some fun. We're going to be giving away some stuff, so it's going to be a fun time for you to be with us today. And Gunsight, the good folks here, are giving away things. We'll have some VHS tapes for those who still have those dinosaur players, <laughs> as well as uh, some calendars and some other things. So basically we're going to have a good time here. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS. Just dial 1-866-TALK-GUNS. If it's easier, just do uh, one Tom talk guns And uh, joining me right now is uh, Corey Trapp. Uh, now, uh, from Gunsight, we've been out shooting videos this morning. Now, Corey, uh, your exact position, I know you have instructors and you have range masters. How, does, how do you guys decide all that, and where do you fit in with that? Well, the scheduling is uh, done by our operations officer, Ed Head. Uh, we have a number of people who are considered range masters in various disciplines. Uh, we then have a, a larger number of people who are what we consider coaches, uh, and frankly, they actually do the majority of the work. Uh-huh. And uh, myself, I'm one of the full-time employees. I actually uh, run the gunsmithy, uh, and I'm a range master for rifle, pistol, shotgun, submachine gun, the automatic weapons classes. Do you get to blow stuff up, too? Uh, I do occasionally get to blow some things up. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we have more fun than anybody should be allowed to there have. There you go. For those that don't know what we're talking about, you also do a fair amount of training with uh, military and law enforcement here, right? Uh, yeah, right now I would say it's uh, pretty close to 50%. Really? Um, yeah, you have to realize that what we have on the printed schedule is just that. It's just the printed schedule. Right. We do probably that much uh, and more in 
what we consider off-the-books classes, things Cl- that are... Classes that don't show up for public because they're military and law enforcement. Well, actually, even people call us up and arrange for their own kind of session. Oh, we have really? various groups who decide that, oh, you know, we'd like to work on we'd like to book this. Whole, we'd like to book a whole class. Sure, yeah, we'd like to book a weekend or a week or whatever and work right. on these subjects. Ah, so we can customize pretty much anything. The way that our class schedule is uh, and the way our outlines are set up, right. we can be pretty much modular. If you'd like to come in and work you know, two days on handgun, three days on carbine, mm-hmm. uh, we can do that. We can pretty much accommodate whatever it is you might want to do in the way of firearms training. Well, that's pretty slick. Well, what's, uh, how long have you been here at Gunsight? Well, full-time now, I'm uh, seven years uh, here at this location, but I've been teaching here since uh, late 90s. How'd that get started? I mean, that's, that's got to be a dream job for somebody who really loves guns and likes instruction and all to be able to, to teach at Gunsight. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of people who uh, tell me that I have the best job in the world, and I certainly can't uh, deny that <laughs> I think it is anyway. You're going with that, huh? Yeah, yeah I, I do kind of enjoy myself here. It's uh, not so much work as it is a pleasure. I guess. Now, uh, this morning we were working on uh, shooting some video for the Gun Talk TV website and doing some kind of... It's not even fair to call it basic, although it was basic, but uh, we're doing things like the presentation, the draw, and uh, you know, doing what we used to call, I guess, double taps or hammers, you call them here, those types of things. But those are really your building blocks, are they not? Yeah, pretty much everything is really fundamentals. Um, you know, when, when you start talking about taking an advanced class, right? well, there's no such thing as an advanced gunfight. I mean, a gunfight is what it is. Uh, The only thing that we're doing in the higher level classes is we're doing the basics faster and with less conscious thought. We've got the basics so ingrained that we do things without thinking about it. Okay, so give me a for instance. What are we talking about? What, what, What kind of thing would you have to think about in the first class and be automatic after that? Um, things like reloading, just keeping the gun up in operation, being able to either do a tactical reload or a speed load as the situation dictates, and doing it correctly while keeping your eyes downrange on the threat as opposed to, gee, let's see, how do I do this? Well, I, I first find my spare magazine, and then, all right, if I'm going to do a tack load, I put my hand here and do this. We don't want you to think about that. We want it to just be done, it and you wonder... Gee, when did I do that? It's kind of like in the end, you think, I think I ran out of ammo and, and reloaded, but I don't really remember doing that. Exactly. Because yeah, you hear fo- that a lot. Your focus is downrange. And again, the re- this is gunfighting. This is not target shooting. The focus is downrange because that's where the bad guy is or the person who might be uh, trying to hurt you. So you, you want to be looking at the person who's trying to hurt you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you take your focus off of that downrange area for more than the time it takes to fire the shot, uh, you're going to have a problem somewhere along the line because these guys don't travel in groups of one. They cra- travel in groups of many. Oh, man. Uh, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's take a quick break here. We'll let some folks call in. We're going to be giving away some things. If, uh, we'll give you the details on that as we go along. But we are at Gunsight. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. If you want to talk about what guns you ought to pick for self-defense, where to get training, why, or you want to talk about, well, gunsmithing, well, Corey's your guy. Visit with Corey Trapp here at Gunsight. Guns we'll be right back. 
Hunters need bullets they can depend on. Accurate bullets that hit hard, create massive hydraulic shock, penetrate tough muscle and heavy bone. Bullets that kill quickly, dropping animals in their tracks. The Triple Shock is 100% copper. Multiple grooves in the bullet shank reduce pressures and create deadly accuracy. The Barnes Triple Shock consistently outshoots the competition. That's the bottom line. Available to hand loaders or can be purchased in Federal, Corbon, Black Hills, and Weatherby factory ammunition. Dear Lupo, during a hunting trip in Louisiana, a hidden stump capsized our boat. Among the items that sank to the bottom was the rifle my dad gave me and my loophole scope. After two weeks, we recovered the rifle, totally ruined. But as I wiped off the scope's lenses and looked through it, everything was crystal clear. Thanks for making such a high-quality, well-crafted scope. Brad Martin, Louisiana. Loophole, the world's finest sports optics. Call 1-800-929-4949 for the Loophole dealer nearest you. If you're like me, you own a handgun for protection. But as I got older, aiming and shooting accurately was getting a lot harder. Wearing bifocals, I had a hard time seeing the target and my sights at the same time. Using iron sights just wasn't working for me anymore. A few years back, I added Crimson Trace laser grips to my home defense guns. They're the world's only grip-integrated laser sight. The laser's built right into the grip, so they're simple to install and really easy to use. What a difference they've made. When you see that red dot, you know you're going to hit what you're aiming at. You really should find out more. Crimson Trace has laser grips to fit just about any handgun in your safe. Get to your favorite gun shop and try set today. Or contact Crimson Trace for a free catalog and the location of a dealer near you. Call 800-442-2406 or visit their website at crimsontrace.com. That's 800-442-2406 or crimsontrace.com. Browning has been the leader in auto-loading shotguns from the very beginning, starting 90 years ago with John M. Browning's famous Auto 5. But Browning designers haven't been sitting still. Their new model, the Gold, redefines what a gas-operated shotgun should be. In wing shooting, feel is the key, and the Gold flies to the shoulder with a liveliness never before seen in an auto-loader. The shorter, lighter-weight receiver puts the balance between the hands, where the top shooters want it. And the short piston stroke makes for an extremely clean shooting gun. The Browning Gold adjusts automatically to any load, from one-ounce target ammo to heavy three-inch magnums. And unlike some 20s, which are built on a heavy 12-gauge frame, the Gold 20 is a true 20-gauge, using its own smaller action. Of course, all Gold shotguns exhibit the high quality and attention to detail that shooters everywhere have come to expect from Browning. Discover the new standard, the Gold Standard in auto-loading shotguns. Check out the Gold 12 and 20 at your local Browning dealer. Finally, the television channel you've been looking for, the Sportsman Channel, dedicated exclusively to hunting and fishing programming, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Absolutely no infomercials or variety programming, just tried and true hunting and fishing. To see what you've been missing, visit us at thesportsmanchannel.com and call your cable or satellite provider and request the Sportsman Channel today. The Sportsman Channel, all hunting, all fishing, all the time. All right, we're back with you. Tom Gresham, it's Gun Talk. 866-TALK-GUNS is our number here. We're visiting with Corey Trapp. We're at the Gunsight Academy. Now, on the Internet, if you want to find out more about Gunsight, just go to gunsight.com. It's G-U-N-S-I-T-E. There are like at least three different 
gunsite.com. There's a S-I-G-H-T, and there's a C-I-T-E. I don't know if you know about that one. I didn't notice that one. Gunsite, and that is quotes, uh, quotes and cites from court cases. It's a really good reference, Gunsite, C-I-T-E, which is a fun deal. That could be useful. So, yeah, exactly. You can look that up. Uh, I was hoping that Greg would call in, and uh, he has, in fact. Let's bring in uh, Greg from Pennsylvania. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Good, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Good. Okay, if we use your full name? Sure, that's fine. Since, since you've been in the papers, uh, it's Rots, R-O-T-Z? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Chambersburg, PA, uh, you ran afoul of the law, but in point of fact, I think the law ran afoul of you is what happened here. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> what? Give us the, uh, the story. How did this come about? What happened to you? Well, on Election Day, I went to my polling place to vote. Uh, when I arrived there, I was openly carrying my pistol, as I do on a regular basis. I was confronted by the constable on duty and told I was not permitted to have my firearm in the polling place. I asked him okay. to fight. Yeah, go ahead. So, uh, let me just say, in a lot of states, that is the law. You cannot have a firearm at a polling place. It is not, however, the case in Pennsylvania, right? That's correct. Okay. Go ahead. So I asked the constable what law it was based on. Uh, he grabbed the voting regulation book and asked if I would step outside to discuss it, and I agreed. Uh, he brought me to a paragraph that discussed the presence of law enforcement officers being at the polls and prohibited that. Uh, I told him I was aware of that clause, but I was not a law enforcement officer. I was a private citizen um, and caring as I do all the time. Uh, he mm -hmm. seemed a bit surprised, but uh, wanted to make a phone call to somebody who he said would know for sure uh, what, the, <laughs> what the truth was. Uh, he made this phone call, and after the call, agreed uh, that there was nothing to prevent me from legally caring while I voted, but said he would personally be more comfortable if I left my firearm in the car. I declined to do so, and I proceeded to vote wearing my firearm. Okay, so all's good. It went well. You did a little education on that. And then we come to Chapter 2 of this saga. Yes, the following Friday, I received a letter from my county sheriff stating that my license had been revoked. It says, and I quote, The reason for the revocation is your involvement in which a gun was used by you in an apparent illegal manner. It then went on to cite a clause in the law which allows for such revocations if a person's character or reputation is such that they would be a danger to public safety. So here you are obeying the law, being compliant with the law, and they say, but because you have obeyed the law, we're now going to take your gun away from you, or that, your permit away from you. That's correct. Okay, so what happens then? Well, I contacted a friend of mine who is an attorney, and we made an unofficial call to the sheriff to see if we could work things out. Uh, he was completely unwilling to discuss the issue. Uh, he was actually, he just retired and he was on his way out of office. He suggested that I just wait and talk to the new sheriff about reissuing my license. However, I had a deadline imposed by the law, uh, only 20 days in which to file an appeal. And in order to uh -huh. wait for the new sheriff to take office, I would have had to wait past that deadline. So, so he's I, trying to pass the buck. Well, yeah. he was hopeful that you missed the deadline. Yeah, yeah, he exactly. was, yeah good, good point, Corey. He was hoping that you wouldn't know that there was a deadline. So I went ahead and filed my formal appeal. Um, shortly after that, of course, the press became aware of it because my filing was public knowledge, and they picked up on the story. And after that, the sheriff continued to insist in the press 
that I could just make this all go away if I would wait and talk to the new sheriff. He kind of spun it as if he was the one taking me to court and I could get out of it if I wanted to. I don't think it was clear to many people that I was the one who initiated the court action because I wanted things set right. Okay, and all along, you've read the law. Obviously, you knew what the law was before you started this, right? That's correct. Okay, so did you end up actually going to court? I did end up going to court. Um, the new sheriff took office just two days before my hearing. Um, and as I, as I again consulted the, the law in my state, even if the new sheriff had wanted to issue me a new license and I had wished to drop the appeal, the law provides for a one-year waiting period upon a denial or a revocation. So both of our yeah, hands that's, would that's have been not tied. Atypical. It, you know, both of our hands would have been tied by the law, um, mm -hmm. and there would have been a one-year waiting period had I not proceeded. There was no other legal remedy. Uh, we went to court. Uh, the judge briefly looked over the paperwork, took both attorneys to chambers for about 20 minutes, came back in, had them both stipulate to the facts of the situation, stipulate to the law and immediately issued a ruling ordering the return of my license on the spot without any testimony whatsoever. Really? No testimony? That's correct. Yeah, that's not also atypical when it comes to points of law. That's why, you know, if, you're, if your trial depends upon a reading of the law as opposed to a reading of the facts, mm -hmm. you're always better with a bench trial. Let the, let the judge worry about it than a jury. If the jury has to figure out how the law works, you... It can get messy. Yeah, things can go bad. Well, okay, so, I mean, the judge just says, okay, the, the sheriff was wrong, you're right, here's your permit, so what's the aftermath of that? What kind of response or reaction did you get from people? Well, there were about 75 or 80 people who actually turned up the day of court uh, to observe the hearing. Uh, based on the applause when the judge issued his ruling, I would say certainly a majority of them uh, <laughs> were supporters of mine. I had quite a few, probably 18 or 20 people, from the Pennsylvania Firearm Owners Association. Uh, that's a bulletin board where I visit frequently, and they traveled from all over the state, um, a couple also from Virginia, some as many as five hours away, uh, to show up in Chambersburg and be present for my hearing. Uh, I'm sure you had some interesting um, conversations with people in the media about this. What kind of, uh, how did they present it when they were talking to you? What kind of questions were you getting? Uh, I got some questions at the beginning as to uh, why I felt it was necessary to carry a firearm. Uh, yep. Overall, the local media um, did a pretty good job of covering the story objectively, I think. Um, there were a few details left out, and uh, but overall, I think both sides, including the new sheriff, were represented fairly. Um, I did have a chance to talk to him. I went straight to him when court was adjourned. Uh, shook his hand. I wanted to let him know I didn't have any personal feelings against him. He was kind of left holding the bag by the man leaving office. Um, yep. and, and I think the new sheriff and I um, agree on the issue, and I don't anticipate any problems for him. Uh, my attorney told me when they were in chambers that the sheriff's solicitor argued vigorously on my behalf, and they, they did not give any opposition to my position. Um, they stated in open court that the new administration is not interested in pursuing um, subjective, frivolous revocations, and if they had been in power at the time of the incident, this never would have happened. You know, but at the, in the end, it actually, and I don't know, you may not agree, but for the, a lot of other people, it's not a bad thing, because what you've done is you have shorn up this right. You have, uh, you know, rights are like muscles, you have to exercise them every once in a while. Yes, uh, I understand. And 
this is a this is not a bad thing. Now let me clarify. In Pennsylvania, do you need a permit to carry openly? I do not. However, I do need a permit to have the firearm in my vehicle. So if I'm going out for a day of errands, even if I wish to open carry, I effectively need the license as I go from the restaurant to the shopping mall to the dry cleaner and places like that. Okay. Sounds good. Well, where do you go from here, Greg? Well, I am still examining what further remedies may be available to me. Um, Of course, I've had some legal expenses. Uh, I've received almost $3,000 in donations from the Pennsylvania gun owners' members and and a few others from around the country, and it looks like it's going to come very close to covering all my costs. Um, But nevertheless, there was a legal expense that was incurred that wasn't necessary. Right. Well... yeah, I, I see where you are. Uh, you'll have to make the call on that one. Sometimes you just say, well, that's kind of the cost of uh, life experiences, too. <laughs> yeah, I understand. There's certainly, uh, there's certainly a much lower likelihood that I would prevail in any kind of civil action, in my opinion, than what I did in my appeal. The appeal, to me, was very clear based on the law. Um, I, certainly, I think the judge and even the new sheriff agreed, and uh, you know, we did have to spend some money in the meantime, but there, there really was no question about who was in the wrong, and the the outgoing sheriff, I think, certainly embarrassed himself. Okay. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for sharing this with us. And, uh, Corey, anything you want to pass along to Greg? Uh, No, uh, good work. Uh, You have to to be willing to stand up uh, to some of these people sometimes. If you know you're right, you you have to be willing to pay what it's going to cost to prove you're right sometimes. Yep. And, you know, not many people are. A lot of people uh, shrug and... You don't know, Corey, we've, uh, on Gun Talk, we've adopted, for 2008, our policy is a no-shrug attitude. There you go. We're, we are not going to shrug and pass stuff off anymore. We're going to stand up for our rights, and we're, gonna just, we're not going to shrug it off anymore. So, That's it. Greg, you get the, the no-shrug award for this week. I appreciate what you did, my friend. Thank you so much, Tom. All right. You take care. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating. Let's try quickly. We've got a couple of minutes. Let's put Brent on line four from Kansas City. Brent, you're up on Gun Talk. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you. I was calling because you were talking at the top of the show about needing to keep your focus downrange and not mm-hmm. being having to uh, fiddle with a gun or think about what you're doing. Just do it, but keep your right. focus on the threat. And I saw a video recently here. It was a, uh, supposedly an expert who was showing about reloading a shotgun in a tactical situation. And I watched this young lad displaying something that I was going, oh, I can't believe he's demonstrating it this way. He was reloading it from a side saddle, and he was very carefully watching as he shoved every shell into the, the magazine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, wait a minute, what, what about downrange? If you're trying to teach people about tactical, why aren't you looking at where the threat would be? Yep, that's going to be a problem. So I guess my, my message here is, Anything you see out there, you look at it, and you have to judge, am I getting good information, or maybe I'm not getting the full thing, because you have to think tactically. Ec- yep, yep. It's an excellent point, Brent, and thank you for bringing that up. You have to uh, you have to judge where the quality of the information you're getting, especially when it comes to the Internet, but generally speaking, where you know, a lot of people can put out videos, and you say, okay, if it's coming from a gun site, I know I can count on it. If it's on Gun Talk TV, I know I can count on it. If you hear it on the radio, well, you never know. you got weird people talking on the radio all the time, so you just never know what you're going to get there. 866-TALK-GUNS. Give us a holler. We're having fun live from Gun Sight.
We're back with you. Tom Gresham. It's Gun Talk. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS. It's just easier to do it this way. Dial 1-TOM-TALK-GUNS, and that'll get you here. Uh, we are at Gun Site in northern Arizona having some fun. Brought uh, Jane in to sit in with us. Visiting with Corey Trapp. I got the whole crew. We're having a, just a whole bunch of fun here. Uh, Jane Ann, before we jump into talking with Corey about some technical stuff, you were giving away stuff. So what are we doing? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give away VHS uh Movies from Gunsight, whether it's pistol, close quarters, shotgun, we'll give 20 away to the first 20 people to send us an email. Gunsight at gunsight.com, G-U-N-S-I-T-E at gunsight.com. Okay, and you also have calendars? We'll also send out a calendar to anybody who emails us at gunsight at gunsight.com. But the first 20 will get uh, a free VHS tape. Don't do this if you don't have a VCR that will play tapes. (laughs) It won't do you any good. It won't fit in the DVD slot. There you go. Well, you could shove really, really hard. There you go. That's the way I gunsmith things, by the way. Yeah, if it jams for us, it needed to be replaced anyway. That's right. I graduated from the bigger hammer school of gunsmithing. There you go. Speaking of that, let's talk with David on line four. He's in Irvine, California. Hey, David. Hi there. Hi. Good afternoon. Yes, sir. How uh, can we help you? I had a quick question about uh, cleaning and lubrication versus for an XD45 versus like a Glock, because I know for Glocks, you really don't have to lubricate them at all, but uh, mm-hmm. I was wondering, since the XDs are so Glock-like, what is, what is the, how does that go for a XD? Well, Corey is the gunsmith here, so we'll ask him. Really, the uh, the cleaning and lubrication procedures for all firearms are essentially the same. Uh, the, the biggest problem that most people have isn't cleaning them, it's lubricating them, where they tend to use way too much uh, lubrication. Um, pretty much the XD and the Glock are identical. You need a drop of oil on the rails. You need a drop of oil on the barrel and wipe it all around the surfaces. You're and talking literally a drop. A, dro- a drop, yes, a little teeny tiny drop. If you wipe it around on the barrel and you can still see it, you know, you can see a fingerprint in it or you see it dripping, mm-hmm. that's way too much. You shouldn't be able to visibly see lubricant on the surfaces. All you want is a coating, and that's it. So, you know, the, the whole Glock pistol and uh, XD pistol can be done with five drops total. Okay, and that's for the barrel, it's like the whole length of the barrel? Yeah, right where, uh, you know, what you'll see is you'll see shiny spots. After you've shot it, you know, a couple of hundred rounds or so, you'll start to see shiny spots. The shiny spots are a result of friction. Where you've got friction, you'll need a little lubrication. Where you don't have any friction, you don't need any. You don't want any. All it does is serve to collect dirt. Um, so those parts that aren't rubbing, you don't really need to do anything on them uh, other than wipe them off and make sure that you know you don't have anything like sweat or fingerprints or something on there that's going to cause corrosion. So where do I put the nozzle in when I'm going to spray the inside with lube? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's the, you know the grease gun to do bearings <laughs> on your cars, but that's why. So we don't hose it down with WD-40. Okay. No, probably not a good idea. Okay, Davis, I hope that helps you out. I appreciate the call. Uh, oh, Lewis is on line three in Dallas. Hey, Lewis, you're on Gun Talk. Hey, how you doing there? Good. How can we help you? All right. Well, first up, before I begin on um, my question, I just want to know: Can I, you know, get my lit shots out there? Uh, I'm on radio. Uh, I just want to say hello to all the security guards out there because I'm at work right now. Listen to the station in Dallas, Texas. Can't say where. Okay. But I have two questions combined into one. Okay. 
All right. The thing is, there's rumor going around saying that you don't need the conceal license that they are they made it to the point where you can carry a gun in your vehicle i want to know how true is that rumor also uh more of a when shoot don't shoot type situation can you give elaborate a little bit more on you know like okay when verbal threats can actually sure. cross the line be like hey look you know you need to yeah. step back i'm armed. okay no you're yeah, not we got, you i tell know, you what let let me let me tackle that. First of all, uh, they did change the law in Texas on carrying a vehicle. That's different from concealed carry. Uh, you can carry a, a loaded gun in your vehicle now. It used to be a little confusing with supposedly if you were traveling or not traveling, and you can now. But to carry it on your person concealed, you do still need the concealed carry permit in Texas. As to when you can and can't shoot, Corey, I mean, that's a lot of what you guys address you know, in class here. Yeah, there's a fair bit of that. The uh, the simplest thing is uh, what we call idle, immediate defense of life. If you or another person is in immediate fear of death or severe bodily injury, then you're justified in responding with lethal force, which is a firearm. Um, if you're not, then you know you aren't justified in even displaying the firearm. You can't just take it out because somebody says, I'm going to kill you. They have to have both... The, the means, the motive, and the opportunity. You know, if I call you up on the phone and tell you I'm going to kill you, that's not an immediate threat. I, I, I'm not there. I don't. You don't even know if I have a weapon or could get one if I wanted to. Right. Uh, so you can't just run over to that guy's house and go shoot him. Right. That's that's not going to work. Right. But if he comes running at you with a butcher knife, exactly. Right. Now you know. I mean, there we have. You know, motive, means, and opportunity. So. There you go. And uh, one of the measuring sticks, if you will, is you better be able to convince 12 people that that was a reasonable choice to make in that situation. True, but that reasonable statute isn't reasonable in what they would call detached reflection. It's not like we can go to the back room and start thinking about, well, you know, I don't know. The guy was, what, 22 feet away? I mean, do you really think? That's not the way it works, yeah. right? It, it, what you have to do is put yourself in the position of the person doing the shooting and say, did the person have a reasonable belief that they were about to be injured? Let's suppose the guy turns out to only have a toy gun or a plastic knife. Right. Was your belief reasonable? Sure. Sure, sure it was. Right. Okay, sure it was. Okay, what about the verbal deal? Somebody says, you know, I'm going to cut your head off. They're just in the parking lot and making a bunch of noise and all. I know in my situation, I'm going to say, I'm going to try to find a way to extricate myself. I'm getting back in the car. I'm getting the heck out of Dodge. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the best way to win a gunfight is to not be there. Right? Um, you know, it, in a case like that, what you're trying to do is extricate yourself. Right? Get out of Dodge. Uh, don't let this escalate any further. Um, you don't want to be in the gunfight if you don't have to be. You know, it, it's a last-ditch thing. It's not your first line of defense. It's the very last thing you want to do. You don't come and get this training thinking that you want to be in a gunfight. You get this training, number one, so you can possibly learn how not to get in one, but certainly what to do if you if you get in one. But what I find is everybody who goes through a class at gunsight comes out saying, Man, I don't ever want to have to use this stuff. Yeah, not if you can avoid it. It's usually not all that pleasant a situation. 
Okay. Hold on a second here, Corey. We'll take another quick break. We're going to uh, come back. Remember, if you want the free VHS tape from Gunsight, shoot an email to gunsight at gunsight.com. And if you just want one of their free calendars, and trust me, these are calendars worth having, shoot a note to uh, Jane Ann, gunsight at gunsight.com, and she'll send you one of their those, uh, calendars. 866-TALK-GUNS. Be right back with more Gun Talk. Your AR-15 should be a sound investment, and Stag Arms has you covered. Made from forged aircraft-quality aluminum, Stag is one of the most durable and dependable rifles in the world. Makers of the only true left-handed carbine, Stag Arms has been tested and battle-proven by elite SWAT teams. Every component is made in the USA, so you get the highest quality, whether left or right-handed. Each Stag Arms rifle carries a lifetime warranty, too. Call 860-229-9994 or go online at stagarms.com. If you like fine pistols, Kimber has three new 45s for concealed carry. They're called the CDP series. CDP stands for Custom Defense Package. Made in the Kimber Custom Shop, CDP pistols have features like rounded and melted corners, tritium night sights, checkered front strap, ambidextrous thumb safety, all at a savings of over $500 what these upgrades would cost if added separately. CDP pistols also have lightweight aluminum frames, stainless steel slides, match-grade bushingless barrels, high-ride beaver tail grip safety, and beveled magazine wells. The list goes on. To learn more or to locate the nearest Kimber dealer, visit the Kimber website at KimberAmerica.com or call toll-free at 1-800-880-2418. Information will be sent absolutely free. That's KimberAmerica.com, 1-800-880-2418. You want the newest rifle innovations, and that's what the Smith & Wesson iBolt rifle delivers. From the match-grade barrel to the one-piece weaver scope mount, this gun defines the next generation of rifles. Your eyeball rifle includes patented features such as the easy-turn bolt release, true set trigger so you can set it the way you want it, recoil reduction chamber, X-bed stock design, it's stronger, lighter, and flush sling mounts. Get the details on the eyeball rifle from Smith & Wesson. Visit smith-wesson.com. Hunters need bullets they can depend on. Accurate bullets that hit hard, create massive hydraulic shock, penetrate tough muscle and heavy bone. Bullets that kill quickly, dropping animals in their tracks. The triple shock is 100% copper. Multiple grooves in the bullet shank reduce pressures and create deadly accuracy. The Barnes triple shock consistently outshoots the competition. That's the bottom line. Available to hand loaders or can be purchased in Federal, Corbon, Black Hills, and Weatherby factory ammunition. If you want to shoot better or help someone get into shooting, check out GunTalkTV.com. This is Tom Gresham. For firearms basics as well as advanced instruction, you don't have to leave home. It's called Gun Talk TV, and it's firearms video instruction online at GunTalkTV.com. That's GunTalkTV.com. You'll find all kinds of instruction, plus lots of gun safety video at GunTalkTV.com. Rifles are about accuracy. Those smart guys at Sims Vibration Laboratory have created a way to make your rifle even better. It's called the Barrel Deresonator, and it works by taming the barrel vibrations, enhancing accuracy. Simply slip the deresonator onto the barrel of your rifle or muzzleloader and start shooting. It really works. Get accurate. Get a Limb Saver Deresonator. Check it out at LimbSaver.com. 
That's L-I-M-B-S-A-V-E-R dot com. All right, we're back with you, Tom Gresham. Guns, we're at Gunsight. Uh, you're listening to Gun Talk, and our number is 866-TALK-GUNS. We're visiting with uh, Corey Trapp and J&N from uh, Gunsight. Uh, you, know, you know, it's a regular crew. You see these guys on personal defense TV. Uh, we've basically come out here. We have a lot of fun, and they let me hang out with the people who actually know what they're doing. So uh, I let it rub off on me now and then. So it's kind of fun. We did some fun stuff this morning. Uh, by the way, you were doing some uh, instruction with the uh, suppressor. We were saying, you know, if... Uh, if OSHA got involved in shooting, those would be required, wouldn't they? Yeah, probably would. Uh, in fact, there are a few European countries. You know, if you go to uh, France, let's say, and purchase a rifle, uh, you get your 22, and you, it comes threaded, and they expect you to buy a suppressor for it because you're going to shoot it in the backyard there, and you don't want to be disturbing the neighbors. It's considered terribly impolite. That's right. It's the neighborly thing to do to have a suppressor. Exactly. I, I agree. I want to get Paul in here on line four because I think I know where he's going. Hello, Paul. You're up. How are you doing today, Mr. Tom? I'm good. <laughs> Wonderful. i got to read an article. Bush Department of Justice files amicus to defend D.C. gun ban. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, uh, I get, this, go ahead. Ahead. and then I get down in later in the article, and then it's got a list of all the groups that have also filed uh, agreements with this. The American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, the American ABA, the American Bar Association, of course the Brady Center to Prevent Handguns Violence. Uh, yep, at least 18 different jurisdictions where the uh, attorneys, attorneys General have filed. Basically what you've got is a bunch of agencies and some private groups who are saying, only the government should be guaranteed the right to have a gun, and individuals should have no rights to own a gun. Uh, here's one for you, Paul. I was just reading to Corey during the break. This is from the American Jewish Committee. They filed an amicus brief. Uh, their quote from their guy says, Gun control laws safeguard liberty rather than restrict it. Democracy can only flourish when the government is permitted to protect its citizens from harm. Corey, what was your comment on that? Uh, apparently they didn't really learn anything uh, a ways back. I, I remember some some Jews having a significant problem in, in Warsaw at the time. That, yeah, and, and he's saying that, you know, uh, it's important that the government have rights, and, that, and then we've got these uh, attorneys general, Paul, that are saying that we want to make sure that the Supreme Court doesn't say that individuals have a right to own guns. My heavens, that would be terrible. Well, well you know, and the government of, hates having their power taken away. Well, so it is about power. Yeah. One of the arguments is, is you know, the states to maintain the rights. And I, I said it's amazing about the only times that these people even care about state rights when it's when it's violating, you know, one of the, you know, Second Amendment of the Constitution. So but, they're, they're, they're quite inconsistent. You make a good point. It is disappointing that the... U.S. government, Justice Department, under the Bush administration, has filed an amicus in this supporting the gun ban. Uh, I was hoping that that wouldn't happen, but somehow I'm not real surprised. Uh, George Bush has disappointed in so many levels, it's like world class. I didn't think he could do it in that many areas, but... Uh, this is where we are. This is the Heller case, formerly known as the Parker case. It's the D.C. gun ban was overthrown. It's gone to the Supreme Court. It will be argued in about two months, in March. And then we'll probably have a decision by the end of June, and we're going to find out. I think we're going to find out if we really do have an individual right here. I think this is going to be 
You know, I would, I would actually be surprised if they word it that way. You'll notice how narrowly the yes. Supreme Court has de- you know, determined what question they're going to answer. And it isn't the question of whether or not uh, firearms ownership is an individual right or not. Right. Um, so I, I would be surprised to see anything that resembles what people are hoping for. I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be extremely narrow. Probably everybody will de- be disappointed, which will make the Supreme Court happy because mm-hmm. they're you know they are a politically uh, oriented body as well. They at least pay attention to what's going on. One could hope, though, because I certainly did like what happened in D.C. One could hope. We'll you, see. You, you never know, but it, it would be a surprise. Yeah, I agree with you. Hold on a second, Corey. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS. We're at gun sites. So if you want to know about cleaning a gun, shooting a gun, choosing a gun, or using a gun, <laughs> this is your place. We'll be right back. We are back with Tom Gresham at Gunsight with uh, Corey Trapp. We're having some fun here. Let me bring uh, Johnny in here because he's been on hold for a little while. Johnny, line two. Appreciate your call. How can we help you today, sir? Yeah, Tom. I'm a deputy sheriff up in your neck of the woods. And, you know, we have some downtime. And we always talk about secondary weapons, off-duty weapons. And just wondering what you might recommend. Okay. And uh, I gather you're carrying a Glock 22 now? Yes, sir. Okay, so everybody, I'm going to pass it over to Corey, who teaches all this stuff. Um, for the most part, it, it, you know, if you're carrying a full-size Glock, I would just go to the small Glock in the same caliber. For uh, the 40, that's what, a Model 27? Right. We decided, yeah, right. Model 27. Um, that would be the first thing you do, because your magazines are all going to fit, your mag pouches, uh, etc., uh, and everything you do in training is going to carry over directly. It's not like you have to learn something new and interesting. We were uh, going for concealability, uh, ease of carrying. Uh, I, I thought perhaps that would be the best weapon to go with. Uh, it's just a little difficult. We have to have everything concealed when we're not on duty. Uh, mm-hmm. Carrying, I, I don't know uh, really how people feel nowadays about ankle holsters, inside the pants holsters. Uh, what would be the best thing to use to carry something like that? Well, I personally carry a full-size government 1911 uh, concealed on a regular basis, and what I normally use is an inside-the-pants holster. Uh, you know, how you carry a pistol, a lot of that depends upon, you know, what kind of lifestyle and what kind of dress uh, can you wear. You know, can you can you work with, you know, uh, you know, or a shirt that's out, you know, untucked, uh, you know, uh, do you need to wear a jacket, um, you know, is... Ankle carry, I don't know what what's the weather like there, and how you know how dirty, filthy is the gun going to turn up, and can you accept this slow access time? You know, those are lifestyle decisions, and I can't tell you what's the best way to do it. I can tell you how I do it. A, uh, a 38 snubby in a front uh, pants pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people go that way. You know, there. The problem is there's no one answer that's right for everybody. 
and what fits me comfortably may not fit somebody else. Right. So you basically you got to go try it, don't you? Yeah, more or less. You know, I mean, do, do you carry behind the hip on the strong side? Do you carry uh, on a cross draw? Uh, does the appendix position work for you and and your clothing? Uh, do you spend a lot of time seated uh, in vehicles? Uh, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I don't have a perfect answer to that question. <laughs> There's a reason most of us have a box full of holsters. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if that helps you any, Johnny. Oh, it, it, it does. Uh, that has been the main consensus uh, uh, at the department was uh, one of the smaller Glocks. Mm-hmm. Hard to beat that, especially uh, that way you same controls, same function, same everything. Uh, and, you know, just to have that as a backup gun while you're uh, on duty, if you're allowed to do that, is not a bad idea because you can use the same mags in there, too. Yeah. Of course, uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, I wouldn't feel bad carrying the full-size Glock 22 myself. Uh, I mean, let's think about it. If you're going to get in a gunfight, uh, and if you're on duty, you've got a radio, you've got your patrol car, you've probably got your shotgun and or rifle in the car, plus you have a whole lot of friends with guns that are probably coming. Mm-hmm. If you're off duty, you probably don't have the radio, you don't have the car full of guns, and don't have a whole lot of people coming. Uh, which gun can you shoot better? Yeah, maybe you ought to think, uh, well, gee, I don't have all that backup. Maybe I shouldn't be going to a smaller gun. Yeah, maybe I, I want think, a bigger gun. Maybe I want a gun that's, as they say, has a bucket of bullets in it. Yeah. So it's just stuff to think about, Johnny. Listen, I appreciate it. You guys be safe up there, and uh, uh, tell Sheriff Prater hello for us. Uh, he's, uh, he's one of the good guys. The uh, sheriff there actually puts on a uh, class for kids, teach them how to shoot after Christmas when they get their Christmas guns. Oh, outstanding. Isn't that sweet? All right, everybody, don't go anywhere. We're going to be keeping this up for a while. Remember, we're giving away some stuff around here. Send an email to gunfight at gunfight.com, and Jane Ann will certainly send you something for free, I guarantee you. We'll be right back. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors that Gunfight is on the radio. Gun Talk is on the radio, too. Yeah. 